What's happening, FCS football fans? This is the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. I am David Hassigan. Returning back with me, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, how are you? What's going on, David? David, what, what are we going to the uh, the Latin American era? Expanding my horizons. <laughs> Expanding your horizons. Uh, whatever you say. I mean, the man is traveling all over the country. You might, you might well go to Puerto Rico and look for prospects. You, you never know. You never know where they're going to be. Half football will travel. Exactly. Folks, this is the 2019 MEAC preview. We're going to be talking about all the headlines from last year, the best returning players, what to watch in 2019, and also some of the big games. If you want to listen back to any of the other podcasts, we have done the Big Sky, Big South, CAA, and the Ivy League. Those previews are out. The rest of the conferences are coming. Be patient, Bison fans. I know you're you're next. You're next. It just be just be calm. It's fine. It's okay. We're going to talk about your team again. But right now, we're going to focus on the MEAC. And again, if you want to listen to any of those podcasts, you're going to go to SoundCloud or iTunes. We're going to have the videos coming out for those soon. Go to footballgameplan.com or youtube.com slash footballgameplan for all of those. Emory will have the freshman recruiting class coming for the rest of the conferences. We already have the first four out. The rest of those are coming. The freshman 400 from Football Game Plan took at this year's recruiting class. And, of course, we're going to have the videos coming out. And you can follow us on Twitter. At FBall Game Plan for my man Emery and at David underscore Hassagan uh, for myself on the Twitter. But let's get Don't into... forget the Football Game Plan's newest book release, the Go Go Offense. Exactly. Footballgameplan.com slash Go Go Offense, which is the offense that the William and Mary tribe will be using this year, which we saw the Howard Bison utilize, fitting that we're talking to me exactly. with offensive coordinator Brendan Marion. You can pre-order that at footballgameplan.com slash offense. Release date is August 25th. Very good reading for anyone who's a coach or a player in the CAA, and you want to learn up on the go-go offense that you're going to be facing, <laughs> you might as well pre-order the book and just you know add a little bit more sales to this man's uh, pocketbooks over here. Let's get into the 2018 season, though, for the MEAC, and it was an interesting one. It was a weird one in many ways. It was a year of, dare I say, missed opportunities. I think would be an appropriate way to describe it, perhaps, and gained for others. Because let's start with what could have been one of the most incredible stories of last year, and that was Florida A&M. They had it in their hands. It was right there. They had a giant smile on their face. They needed one win in the last three games. The last three. That was it. One. And they would have taken home the MIAC title. They would have gone to the Celebration Bowl. But what happens? What always happens to people who are looking for success a little too soon? They choked. They lost to Howard in a close game. They lost to South Carolina State. They lost to Bethune-Cookman. And they lost the spot in the Celebration Bowl. What in the hell happened to Florida A&M? You know, it's funny. I was on the broadcast for that Florida A&M game and also that South Carolina State game. The South Carolina State game was a great performance by the Bulldogs. Great game for them there. Great game. Um, but a cascade of errors for Howard. They couldn't score. For Florida A&M, you mean? Oh, for Florida A&M, I'm sorry. Yes. Um, so I did the broadcast for the Howard game. Right. And uh, they had that Howard game there Yeah. for the taking. They yeah. had a, It was so impressive. They had a huge contingency of FAMU supporters at that game yeah. thinking that they were going to beat Howard and you know win the, the conference there and, and essentially book their trip to the Celebration Bowl. So many – Orange and green sweatshirts were there in the stands. Yeah. On the visitor side. They had the stands packed. 
They were ready for the Celebration Bowl. They were going to have the color combination of the century because they were going to play all corns. You'd have the purple and then the green. I think if they would have beaten uh, Howard, I think Southern would have found a way to get it done. Somehow, and, yeah. yeah. And that's the game everybody wanted to see. How yeah. Southern and FAMU is funny because they played now each other this year in the, in the, in the regular season. Exactly. So we're going to get that game at some some point. But, yeah, Florida and them really dropped the ball last year, had it all in, in their hands. But great first year for Willie Simmons. Yes. You know, Yes. so great year for him. Way to jump in and, and hit the ground running with, with, the, with the team. And But what could have been? What could have been, which also kind of builds on what could be for this year. Exactly. Well, let's talk about the stick what happened last year, and that was A&T. They finished ranked number 12 in the national poll. They made it to the Celebration Bowl. But for most of last year, they were winning without really blowing anybody away. We mentioned it a lot of times that really A&T were kind of winning games, not because they were winning, but the other team was losing them. It really wasn't a great performance for most of the year, and then they turned it on at the end. Man, listen. Um... <laughs> But we knew defensively they were going to be great. Yes, defen- and defensively they were fine all year. That was the one thing that right. won them. They won games with their defense. East Carolina with a 100-plus-yard pick six by Mac McCain. Yep. Um, and we saw them start to get better defensively consistently every year. I mean, throughout the season. Yes. Offensively is where we was like, man, they, they really look different. Because there were so many big names on that offense. You were, you were looking at Renard. Just You're looking so, at Cartwright in the backfield. So many weapons. And when we we went into the season, we're like, these guys are going undefeated. They're going to, you know, beat everybody by 30 points. It's not going to be close. And they when they played Jacksonville State, they beat Jacksonville State. Good win. But it was, it was a sloppy game. It right? was 20 to 17. There were penalties all over the place. Then they beat East Carolina, FBS opponent. Wow, this is amazing. Then they crushed Gardner Webb. Then they lose to Morgan State in Week Four, and we're like, on a field goal. Excuse me, what? Meat kicking. <laughs> Like, and like, then they beat South Carolina State. Okay, they're back. They beat Delaware State handily. Fine. They lose to FAMU. What? <laughs> what is going – and they weren't winning. End of the season, they looked really good. End of the last five games, they shut out NC Central in the rivalry game, which is just insane. They beat Alcorn in the Celebration Bowl. But really throughout the year, there was a lot of like, wait, what? What's happening with A&T? They're winning, but what's happening with A&T? Right, and they, they figured it out at the end, got the Black College National Championship uh, with their Celebration Bowl victory. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do now to replace all those guys. <sighs> yeah, it, it's going to be a lot to think about, and we'll talk about that later on in this podcast. The other thing I want to talk about from last year um, are some of the schools that we expected to have bigger years that have been like consistently at the top that really didn't get the job done. In particular, NC Central fell off a lot last year. They finished 5-6. and six. And Norfolk State, who I know we both thought could have a pretty good year, they could compete at the top. They finished four and seven. They were two and five in conference. They went from having a plus, I think it was like fourteen or fifteen turnover differential in twenty seventeen. They had twenty four turnovers last year. They could not hold on to the ball. What in the hell happened for both of those teams? It's all about what you call it. It's all about. Uh Next man up. Tying, tying up loose ends, man. You can't turn the ball over, especially when you don't yeah. have the depth that most schools are, are you know blessed with. It. That way you can get away with it. Yeah. But finding a way to protect the football is going to be key for these guys moving forward. Especially, that's just a conference-wide thing, in my opinion. Yeah, and Norfolk State was weird because they, they would beat teams convincingly. They beat Delaware State 54-28. They beat 
Virginia State first game of the year, 34-13. Uh, beat Howard relatively convincingly, 29-17. But then they get slaughtered by NC Central, 36-6. They get crushed by Savannah State, 32-3. They get beat down by Liberty, 52-17. That was a weird game. That Liberty that was game that was in, weird... a, in a torrential downpour. Yeah. That uh, was, and that was originally for uh, September 15th, which was rescheduled because of the hurricane. Right. And they were still not sure they were going to play. You know, Liberty was like, okay, if we need yeah. the game for bowl eligibility, we'll play it. But if we don't, we won't play it. So it's yeah, a weird it, game. But still, does it's one team showed up or the other team showed up for Norfolk State. Right. There was really no, oh, okay, they were competitive and they lost or they were competitive and they won. They either crushed their opponent or got absolutely slammed. And nobody really knew which one was going to show up. So it's going to be interesting to see how Norfolk, because, again, two years ago, pretty good team. Looked like they had a lot of the pieces in place. Last year, there's some work to do. But let's talk about some of the players that are coming back for this year, and I'll let you have the first crack at this one. Who's your one of your top players to watch for the season? Jaquez Ezzard and Kyle Anthony, both of those guys, because of, you know, there's no more go-go offense. Ron right. Prince is a really good offensive coach. True. Um, so we'll see how he utilizes both guys. But I think both are NFL players. Ezzard is on a senior bowl watch list. Mm. We'll see what Anthony can do. I think he has some of the strongest hands in college football. Look and see how both those guys take off this year. I'm keeping an eye on Tyree Snick, the running back from South Carolina State. Had a great year last year. A quarter, running quarterback, really. Um, you might as well call him a running back. He had 211 carries. He had a great field general, too. He's outstanding. Uh, he had over 900 yards rushing last year on, on his own with 12 touchdowns. South Carolina State quietly put together a pretty nice season, and I think they could be up there again this year. Four and three in conference play, yeah, five and six, but South Carolina State had a lot of pieces together, and you still have Buddy Pugh coming back for another year. There was a lot of question marks whether he was going to come back or not. He's coming back for a 17th se- for a uh, 18th season. That yeah. could be critical. Stand on that on that in that team at that team or with that team on the defensive side, Paul McKeever. Uh, we talk about you know South Carolina State quietly pumping out these great defensive players and and pro players, Darius Leonard. Uh, all-pro rookie of the year last season with the Indianapolis Colts. Javon Hargrave having a great career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Paul McKeever, the defensive lineman, is another one that's going to be up and coming. I think he has excellent quickness. He's going to have a dominant season, and he's going to be another name we're going to be talking about later. Two guys I want to focus on on the same team because they had such incredible years as freshmen, and those are the pair of linebackers from Morgan State, uh, Damari Whitaker and Ian McBurrow incredible first-year seasons. Uh, Whitaker, 91 tackles, two-and-a-half sacks as a freshman. Uh, McBurrow with 79 tackles, nine tackles for loss, and six sacks as a freshman. On a Morgan State team that, while a lot of the results didn't make any sense, they were competitive in a lot of ball games last year. If Morgan State can find anything offensively to match what they did on defense, that 4-7 and seven record could easily get to 500 or better. I've done... Five broadcasts last year. I did five broadcasts last year on Morgan State. Well-versed in their defense, and you're absolutely right. Their defense is outstanding. Yeah. Um, offensively, it's just finding some consistency, and we'll see if new head coach Tyrone Wheatley can get things going. I, I look at Delaware State, and I talked about him last year late in the season because I knew a little bit of intel. But running back, redshirt freshman running back now, mm. Michael Chris, Chris Ike. 
Yes. The Canadian kid. Right, yeah. He he got in the game late last season. It was, man, we should monitor. And all of a sudden. We, should we pull the red shirt off? Should we – we got four <laughs> games to play with. And so they were able to manage it properly, get him some carries, get him some touches, and he is going to be a load for Delaware State and what they do offensively. I'm really excited to see how he does in a full season as the lead dog in that backfield. He could transform that program. They did great last year, to be honest. To, three you think and about eight, what Delaware, what we and expected three from and one, them? Three and one down a stretch. Yeah. So, if well, you know, he came out and started playing, and all of a sudden they started winning games. It's like it's almost like he had an effect or something. I don't know. I, and they, Coach, Coach Milstead, Rod Milstead, former NFL guy, did a great job of managing that situation yes. and building that program to where they were competitive. Then they started to win. Now they got some expectations going into this year. I think Absolutely. it's going to be a good turnaround story. Absolutely. Again, folks, this is the 2019 MEAC preview uh, here on the FCS Opening Drive podcast. Let's get into some of the new coaches because we got three new head coaches to talk about. And you mentioned one, and that's Howard's new head, go- head coach, Ron Prince. Picks over an offense that was known for being crazy, that so much so that people are writing a book on it. Uh, so what does Ron Prince have to do to keep up the momentum where – Howard right now is probably one of the teams that you're looking at to possibly win the conference. He has to just keep recruiting pipelines strong. You yeah. know, that's one thing Mike London and his staff did. I know Ron Prince does a great job of recruiting. People forget, yeah, he had the, the stint as the head coach at Kansas State before Bill Snyder came back out of retirement. Yeah. But he also transformed Josh Freeman into a first-round pick. True. So he's a great developer of talent. True. He still has a lot of the same staff that was in place at Howard last year on board. Right. You know, so I know – for a fact, when you look at Cato June, former linebacker uh, in the NFL, played at, at Michigan, he's, you know, a coach over there, assistant coach over there. He's been there throughout yep. the whole Mike London era, and he's a really great coach. Mm-hmm. So this team shouldn't have a drop-off. The talent is still going to be there, and I think he's going to do a good job. A lot of people were, were scratching their heads at Ron Prince when he was initially hired and announced he was going to be the next head coach because he's kind of had a journeyman career where he really hasn't, I wouldn't say he hasn't excelled, but he hasn't really stuck mm-hmm. anywhere in a job. You know, he was at Virginia for a long time. Uh, then he took over at Kansas State. That didn't work, so he went back to Virginia. Uh, then he went to the Colts. He went to the Jaguars. He then went back to Rutgers, went to Detroit. Last year, he spent the year at Michigan as their offensive analyst, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been everywhere. He's got, he's, as you said, he's got the, re, the, um, the reputation for developing talent. He's been at some big-name programs. He's worked with some very good head coaches. Maybe this is the time that his head coaching style sticks and he can really take a program uh, by the scruff of the neck and really move forward uh, with what they want to do. Let's move on to the next one, and that is the new head man at Morgan State, and that is Tyrone Wheatley uh, taking over this Bears team. Again, really interesting hire. He's kept a lot of the assistants that were there last year that were so good. He's coming from being the running backs coach at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, a great career at Michigan. Really impressive running back during his college career. What can he do, do you think, to spice up this offense for Morgan State? Again, as a – This is another idol for you? Exactly. Growing up (laughs) watching Tyrone Wheatley run the football, I still have that Rose Bowl run embedded in my head where he just ripped up Washington. Which got into uh, a first-round pick in 1995. Of the New York Giants. Big yes. Tyrone Wheatley had the big shoulder pass. He was also thrived with the Raiders, too, yep. and at number 47. Yep. Um, so I'm a big Tyrone Wheatley fan. And quietly, he's been a really good coach, yep. position coach wherever he's been. I think his imprint on his team will bring balance to the offense. Yes. They're going to be very good offensively. 
which will help out their program. Which they a, need. Exactly. It's huge. There's talent there at Morgan State offensively. Yeah. Now they can rein it in on offense. Defensively, they'll they'll still be excellent. They're going to be better. Better because their offense is better. Yeah. And I think that's going to be key. I, I'm excited to see uh, what Wheatley does there. And I'm probably going to be on a lot more games again this year. So I get to see it up close. And another another Michigan man. Very quietly, Mr. Harbaugh created a pretty nice coaching tree for himself at Michigan. Shout out to, to, to Tyrone Wheatley in that Rose Bowl run. <laughs> and, that, and the Rose Bowl run. One more coach to talk about here. And that's North Carolina Central. Uh, Trey Oliver taking over for uh, the NC Central Eagles, who, as we said last year, pretty rough season for North Carolina Central, finishing 5-6. and six. Um, What do you think you can expect from Trey Oliver and what he's going to bring to this program? Stability. The, since Coach Mack left, all the stability left with it. Yeah. You know, that's a that was a very stable program in the MEAC. Yeah. You know, they were consistently winning. They were in the Celebration Bowl recently against Grambling. Yep. Coach Mack leaves, goes to Rice, and, you know, you had an interim head coach last year for the full season. You thought he was going to be able to stay. They didn't have the success. Yeah. Now you have a new coach. Hopefully he brings the stability back to the program. Yeah, because, I mean, you're talking about co-champions or champions for three straight years from 14 to 16. Right. You got back-to-back Black College National Championships in 05 and 06. So this is a this is not a school that's used to being midway down the standings. They're used to being at the top. So hopefully uh, Trey Oliver will be the man to do that for them. And we good good luck to all three of the uh, new coaches here in the MEAC. Let's move into 2019 even more now, Emery, and let's talk about what some of the storylines are. And I think the first one has to be: Is this the year A and T loses the crown because they have only three returning starters on offense? Uh, on defense, excuse me. They really lost a lot of big players on offense as well. There's a lot of holes at A&T. Can they hold up to the standard that they've had the last three seasons? I look at Howard's offense being something to watch. You know, we know the go-go offense, yeah. but let's look at Coach Prince's offense and how he's going to get Kayla Newton to elevate as a passer. Yes. You know, Newton has to protect the football. Yeah. We know he can run. We know he can scramble by time. We know he has great running back. We know he has two excellent options. You know, can Coach Prince transform Newton into a draft pick at the position? Newton's coming into his junior season, and we, like I mentioned earlier, you saw what he did with Josh Freeman at Kansas State. Yep. If he can continue to, to have Newton elevate as a passer this year and next year, that's going to be big. One of the stories to watch, can the Rattlers earn redemption this year? They still – here's the thing. Yes, it, they, we know what happened at the end of last year. Last year was gone. For them, they have to remind themselves, last year's gone. They've got seven returning stars on both sides of the ball. They've got a decent team still left. They still went 5-2 and two in the MEAC last year. This is going to be a year they have to learn how to finish games. That's going to be the biggest thing is watching fourth quarters for FAMU. If the fourth quarters are close and they can still hold on, all of a sudden this team goes from, I don't really know, you know, they could be a title contender again this year to, Wait a minute. We have to start talking about the Rattlers again. Let's stay in Florida. And okay. since we talk about Florida quarterbacks, Akivis Williams. We hadn't talked about Bethune-Cookman yet. Quietly. Coach Sims is a phenomenal coach. Uh, everybody else, I was about to bring them up too because everyone else in the MEAC, they kind of go up for a couple of years and then they're going to go down. You see, you know, So right now you got FAMU moving up, mm-hmm. Howard's moving up, A&T's at the top. They're starting to come down. NC Central's doing the same thing. Bethune-Cookman is just a well-oiled machine. They just keep on trucking along. And that's a testament to coaching. Yes. Their quarterback, Akevius Williams, was hurt a little bit last year down a stretch. That probably kept them out of the, the title. 
Yeah. You know, and they were a big reason why FAMU didn't win the, the Florida Classic. Defense stepped up big and, and really shut them down at the end. We watched that game. Yeah. The game came down to the wire. Um, but how well Williams does this year as a senior, staying healthy for the full season, he's a big piece of their offense. Yeah. And they've quietly churned out good quarterbacks. Larry Brim was a good one. Um, they've had good quarterbacks over the last you know four or five years, especially under Coach Sims, who has done a phenomenal job keeping that talent base stacked. So interesting how he does this year, as well as South Carolina State. But so, if you yeah. got the resign, got the contract extension, yep. like you said, we thought he was going to be retired, but we'll see. I, I'm excited to see what they do this year. I think, And I think the other team to watch is Howard. Is this the year they finally break through? Because, again, it comes in stints. Mm-hmm. And if you don't break through at a certain point, obviously there's a new coach so there might change some things, but there's some continuity there as well. Is this the year Howard finally breaks through and gets back up to the top? Or is this another year of – they were pretty good, but for Howard, that's where it's kind of been. Let's talk about some of the big games on the schedule. And there's some interesting out-of-conference games. I mean, obviously last year the weirdest one was Bethune-Cookman at Nebraska in the middle of the year. <laughs> right. Just it was thrown together in a week. It's like, right. well, Nebraska's like, well, we need to play somebody. Hey, we're here. <laughs> right. And then lost 45-9 to uh, for Bethune-Cookman. But I'm going to start actually with um, a game in week two, offense versus defense. Howard at Youngstown State. Ooh. That could be really interesting, considering where Youngstown was last year, where they had kind of a eh season in the Mia in the Missouri Valley. Howard with that offense could could be very interesting to watch against the Missouri Valley team. That's a, that's an interesting matchup. I like that one. That's I also like one. in August A and T versus Elon. That's another big an, yeah. out of conference test for yeah. a Miac school, in which we know the last few years has been a debate. You know, can they? have their cake and eat it too yeah get to the celebration bowl and also have a team winning that large bid these are the type of games that you have to win yeah and I, I think another one in week one north carolina central at austin p who would have thought that would be a game we'd be talking about <laughs> two or three years ago austin p obviously not a great season last year both really both teams in kind of a similar situation down year last year sub 500 or close to 500 trying to rebound to where they were two years ago um, I think that could be an interesting one. We got to talk about week four, though. Southern at A&M. The That's rivalry the renewed. That's going to be an absolute show. I can't wait for that game. Attendance records will be set. <laughs> set, broken, no longer. Might as well put them in stone. They're not going to be passed. That again. will be a game to watch. How many man. years has it been since they played each oh other? Oh, my God. I want to say it's been like eight. It's been a while. It's been a while. It? Yeah, so that's. Trust me, folks, if you've never been to an HBCU classic in either the SWAC or the MEAC, or in this case, a cross-branded affair. A great rivalry game. You, you know. have to go see one because they are absolutely – they are parties. They're not games. They're parties. They're celebrations. Yes. They really are celebrations. I would also look at September 21st, Delaware State at Howard. Delaware State got yeah. beat soundly last year uh, by Howard. I want to say – and I broadcast that game within the first – Nine minutes of game, Delaware State was already down 21 nothing. So Ouch. we'll see what they have drawn up this year Ouch. redemption-wise against the Bison. And, of course, this year, uh, talking about another team in this conference, is Savannah State because I believe this is their last year. Before oh, they're moving. going already. They're dropped down. They're dropping two. down. So they're, they're moving out so that we have one less team to talk about here. Right. Um, an interesting game. There's a couple interesting games in the middle of the year that I want to talk about. Week 8, A&T at A&M. Again, you talk about – you know, hey, we we were better than you, and we know it. Oh well, really? We're, we're, 
you didn't get in the Celebration Bowl, did you? Right. So that's going that. to be a lot of talk about that. And then week nine, and this is one I think could be critical, South Carolina State at Bethune-Cookman. Yeah. Could be a massive game with massive implications in week nine. You also got to wrap it up with the Florida Classic at the end. So yes. how much it mattered to FAMU last year yeah. to lose a Bethune-Cookman. 11-23, circle on your cal- calendar, <laughs> down in uh, Orlando. Down in Orlando. And I'm going to go one more as well. The last week of the, of the year – could be a, a, just a random interesting game. Morgan State at Howard. You never know, man. You never know with those games. And again, Morgan State's games are wildly entertaining. <laughs> for one way or the one other. One way or the other. I mean, I think we talked about this too. There was a lot of talk about maybe a MEAC team getting in the playoffs as an at-large. It can happen. This could be the year it happens because there's so many teams that are, hey, you look at them like, you know what? On paper, this is a strong team. This is a strong team with a winnable schedule that they can dominate. They might not win the conference, but they can dominate it to get eight and nine wins. This could be the year it happens. It, it's possible because of the out-of-conference schedule uh, when you have teams like A&T playing Elon and Howard playing yeah. Harvard. You know, they win a couple of those games and also do business in, in conference. Yeah. It's possible. It's it's absolutely possible. Um, What's your hot take? My hot take for this conference is that A&T will finish – at 500 below, I think they have lost so much in this game. They've been dominant for the last three years. They've looked really good. They were, again, this is, I think, the second top 25 team that I said is going to finish above below 500 or mm-hmm. miss the playoffs. I don't see it with A&T. I think there are about three or four schools that can win this this year. I think there are, I think you can put Bethune-Cookman, A&M, Howard, and SC State, I think, can all win this year. I don't think A&T has a shot in hell. You know what? We're on the same wavelength because you're saying they won't they, – they'll finish, like, below or at 500 or something like that. At 500 or below for A&T. All right. I say A&T makes the playoffs. Oh, so you're going to think they're the team. Ah, I see what you did there. Okay. See what I did there, right? Okay. So what, where do you think they finish, though? Like, who – first – it doesn't matter. They w- make the playoffs. That means they don't go to the Celebration Bowl. I w- and here's the thing, folks. If you want to listen to who he thinks will win the conference and go to the Celebration Bowl, you got to watch the videos because I'm not going to ask him here because I know he's not going to answer. Bingo. So <laughs> this man is so frustrating to my left. I can't tell you how frustrating this man is. See, here's the thing. I will I will make that prediction, though. I agree with you Okay. that a MEAC team will make the postseason. I think it's going to be South Carolina State. I think they are the team. You think they win the MEAC and go to the celebration? No, I, no, make the playoffs. Oh. South Carolina State goes to the playoffs. Second to Bethune Cookman. Bethune Cookman, I think, wins the MEAC in 2019. South Carolina State is second. Florida A&M finishes third. There you go. I'll even give you a t- <laughs> I'll give you a win, place, and show for the MEAC this year. That's where I'm going to go with it. Man's just sitting quietly. He's, he's thinking about pizza out here over here. Folks. That's, that's, that's all he's thinking about at this point. Or, or maybe it's jambalaya. I don't know. He's thinking about home ah, cooking. or You know what? I'm thinking, you know what I'm thinking about? When I go to Howard, I don't know if I'll be there doing a, um, a game this year. But, man, that, that food truck that was right outside <laughs> the stadium. Oh, my God. That was some of the best pregame fried chicken I had. <laughs> See, here's, here's, outstanding I'll give you another hot take another prediction if there's ever a battle of the conference tailgates the MEAC would win you are high it's it's the swack dude <laughs> it, it's oh here we go it's the swack SoCon Southland any school below the Mason-Dixon line 
will win. Oh, so to me, be... that will put the MEAC North or the you know the Mid Atlantic. Okay. The Northern champions, then the North Division champions. Here's the thing: <laughs> you could say the MEAC, but not every school. Bethune, A and M, FAMU, and maybe, maybe South Carolina State. Maybe. You got the you got the crawfish boil there. You got the crawfish. You don't get crawfish in South Carolina. You get crawfish. No, no, no. In- no you know you get the crawfish as, as part of the Low Country boil. You don't get crawfish <laughs> unless it's a Louisiana school. So SWAC, Southland, SoCon, and FAMU, and and uh, and Bethune, and sometimes South Carolina State. There's there's gonna be a lot of player moms that are gonna be so mad at you on Twitter. It's at F Ball Game Plan on Twitter, folks. If you want to get into mentions, <laughs> that your cooking apparently is not up to up to snuff with the rest of the FCS. That's, <sighs> we had this discussion last year about that's, that's harsh uh, tailgating that's in harsh. The, the Midwest versus the South. Midwest versus South versus Northeast versus this is level is layers to it, is levels to it, is levels to the state. Level, and there's different and there's different specialities. Yeah, there's different levels speci- to it. The seafood goes to the South. Seafood anywhere on the barbecue. coast, anywhere on the coast, I'm good with seafood. Yeah, it's like Northeast is good with seafood, Southeast is good with seafood, rest of the South is good with barbecue. You're not gonna sell me on seafood at Mac- in Macomb, Illinois. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Bob. I mean beef. Yes, I was gonna say he said something about ribs. But okay, I, I'm I'm all in on there that. There you go. But the so you're saying the MEAC schools have don't hold a candle to the swag. Not as far as tailgate. Oh, no. I've hurts. been to a bunch of the MEAC schools for for games. What can you expect from a raging Cajun, folks? That's all I'm saying. Bingo. What can I? What can you expect? The palate's been burned. Shout out to Craig Hill. <laughs> anyway, folks, that's the end of uh, this podcast. This is the 2019 MEAC preview. We've got. A ton of other uh, previews coming out. Next up will be the big one. The Missouri Valley Football Conference will be the next preview we will have. That will be followed by the NEC, the OVC, and the Patriot League. So those will be the next ones to look out for. If you want to listen back to any of our other podcasts, the Big Sky, the Big South, the CA, or the Ivy, they are available on SoundCloud or iTunes, whatever you're listening to this podcast on. They are available for you there on demand. Again, we've got the videos will be coming out over the next few weeks, and we will have those on footballgameplan.com and youtube.com slash footballgameplan. Emery, you got anything else to uh, plug while we're, while we're at it here? Footballgameplan.com slash go-go offense. Order your copy of the go-go offense book by Brendan Marion. Go check that out. It's a great it's a great read. It's a great offense of offensive read. It's a, it's a great book. I'm, I'm a must excited read about for, it. A must-read for any football coach? Any football, ex- exactly, because this is the new offense that will be sweeping the nation. And Howard just wow. released the look of their new uniforms for this year. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Are they? They're Are they? pretty sweet. Hold on, we're, we're, we're rotating. That's live. That's live right there. Oh. They're pretty sweet. Okay. We don't know what the helmets look like, though, but these All right. are pretty sweet. Okay, Howard. And, and That's then. another two wins right there. <laughs> we're, we're getting into that time of the season, folks. Keep an eye out for the, for the uniform drops because – some of them are just absolute fire, and we know that's coming. But that's a that's a that's sweet look fire. for that's a sweet look for Howard. I like that. I like that, folks. Again, that'll do it for the MEAC. The next one up will be the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Thank you so much for listening. For Emory Hunt, I am David Hassagan. See you next time.